Counseling for the Church on this edition of Truth and Love. Johnson, and you're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, where we seek to provide biblical solutions to the problems that people face. This week on the podcast, I'm delighted to have with me Dr. Jason Allen. He serves as a fifth president of Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary here in Kansas City, Missouri. Since coming to Midwestern Seminary, he has led the institution to become one of the largest and fastest growing seminaries in North America. In addition to his role as president, Dr. Allen serves as professor for preaching and pastoral ministry. He is the author of numerous books, including Letters to My Students, Volumes 1 and 2, Succeeding at Seminary, and Turnaround, The Remarkable Story of an Institutional Transformation and the 10 Essential Principles and Practices that Made It Happen. Dr. Allen regularly posts essays on his website, jasonkallen.com, and hosts a weekly podcast, Preaching and Preachers, which can also be found at jasonkallen.com. He and his wife, Karen, are both from Mobile, Alabama, and have five children, Anne-Marie, Caroline, William, Alden, and Elizabeth. Dr. Allen, I'm so grateful that you're here with me today. Welcome to Truth and Love. Delighted to be with you, Dale, and uh, delighted to have you on the team here serving at Midwestern Seminary, and of course, proud of your leadership of ACBC as well. Thank you, brother. And, and it, I'll just say up front, it's such a joy to to be here, the excitement on campus, the the way the Lord has just shown favor and kindness to us, no doubt due to your leadership and commitment to Him as well in the way that you lead. I want to talk today about counseling for the church. Now, I'm going to pull out this idea for the church. This is a mantra that that you started even 10 years ago here at Midwestern Seminary, and I want you to just talk broadly about that vision. Many of our listeners may not be familiar with Midwestern, but seminary in general, as we think about this vision for the church, just explain a little bit about what you mean and your heart behind that. Yeah, thank you. It's funny, I was asked that just in recent days. Kind of the question was like, where did that come from? And so maybe I'll, I'll tackle the question that way and in so doing, bring in some theological, biblical, and even kind of conceptual arguments as to why. For the church, we've been talking about a lot for, for now 10 years now, just celebrated by God's grace, my 10th year of service here. And really since day one, we've been talking about it. And for me, it really began autobiographical, I think, over the years as I was serving in other institutional contexts, especially Southern Seminary and Louisville, while simultaneously serving as pastor or teaching pastor type roles of churches. And so I just had this growing dual love for theological education and the local church and pastoral ministry. And so as I was a young man in my late 20s and early 30s and thinking about my future, I really thought I would be pastoring long-term, probably not serving as an institutional uh, position, much less as a seminary president. But I did have this, this growing love within me of both these very essential works, theological education, local church ministry. And so when the search committee here reached out to me in the May of 2012, began to talk with me about the institutional opening here, I began to talk from day one with them about, about an institution to be committed to local church service, very much committed to training pastors, ministers, evangelists, counselors, so forth, for the local church. And again, that was autobiographical within me by way of my passions, but more importantly, I believe it's biblical. You look at places like Matthew 16 and Christ promised to build his church. You look at places like Ephesians 4 and how that gets, how that gets fleshed out. And then you look at places like the pastoral epistles, and frankly, you look at the totality of the New Testament, the centrality of the local church. And so I believe an institution like Midwestern Seminary has a right to exist in as much as its existence helps the local church, strengthens the local church, is devoted to the local church. 
And so we say things here like, you know, we believe that Christ is building his church and we will abide in his blessing if we are a part of strengthening the church and giving ourselves to the local churches. And look, there are a lot of parachurch ministries floating around. I'm president of one at Midwestern Seminary. You're president of one ACBC. And many of those parachurch ministries are healthy and helpful. A lot of them aren't. And I argue that even a parachurch ministry should assess its own right to exist based upon what it's doing to actually strengthen the local church and to expand the gospel as it does. So it began autobiographical. I believe it's eminently biblical. And thirdly, I would say just it's also, practically speaking, the right place to be. What do I mean by that? Well, in the ATS these days, the, the gold standard accrediting agencies for seminaries and divinity schools in North America, there are just over 300 institutions. And like 290 or so of those are facing plateaued or declining enrollments, or they have over the past five years. So to flip that, that assessment, only a handful have actually grown the past five years. And so my point is the vast majority of seminaries and divinity schools have an enrollment challenge, and they seek to remedy that by becoming a shopping mall offering a bazillion different degrees regarding a bazillion different programs, trying to collect sufficient students to cobble together an enrollment of sufficient students to pay the bills. And there's a dilution of focus, dilution of emphases that makes some of the institutions without, as Churchill would say, any theme to the pudding. And so practically speaking, we want to be clear about what we're about for the church. We want to be clear, not just in the messaging, but in the substance on campus, from who teaches what to the conferences we host, the workshops we have, the vibe of the place, et cetera, et cetera. And in so doing, as we say, knowingly, we are not going to appeal to everyone, but we're okay with that. We are going to appeal to those who are animated about local church service, just like we are. Now, for those of you who are listening, you want to know the truth of the matter. What Dr. Allen just shared with you is the reason that I came to Midwestern. We had a chat. I remember very vividly our first conversations, and you began to share that vision. And, and that is the heart that I share relative to the beauty of God's plan for the local church. You guys know, even in biblical counseling, we talk about the, the beauty and necessity of the local church. ACBC's vitality is only as good as the way in which we encourage the work that happens at the local church. And Dr. Allen, I think it's it's wonderful to share that. Now, we're going to talk about ACBC even being here on the campus, which I think is outstanding, and we owe a debt of gratitude to you. But I want you to talk a little bit about some of those days, not, not so detailed necessarily about conversations that you and I may have had, but about even the curriculum change. You guys were in a place when you came here 10 years ago. You're at a place where, man, we want to see alignment with this vision for the church and what it means to be for the church in every aspect and, and even in this uh, the world of biblical counseling. Thank you, Dale, for the question. Delighted to unpack that. And it, it is an interesting story. It's a sweet story. And I think it's, it's the right story as well. Ten years ago when we came, we began to speak in very intentional ways about who we were for the church. But that has to get practical real quick or it's just hype. And so we began to talk about how do we hire people that really beat in their hearts the same way we intend to beat as an institution? And how does this show up in the curriculum? So again, part of it is you hire the people who are churchmen. You have to do that. I mean, as they say, the faculty is the curriculum. But then you also need to ask very intentional questions about what does this mean for New Testament studies? What does this mean for theology, apologetics, et cetera? So for instance, to be for the church means church history is not just a set of names and dates, but it's actually telling the story of God's work to build and strengthen his church. New Testament studies isn't just about historical backgrounds. It's about teaching a generation of students to actually be able to exegete the text, to explain the text, to apply the text to God's people for the church, you see? 
apologetics isn't just about crafty arguments. It's about equipping pastors and ministers who can equip the people of God to answer the great compelling questions that this generation of inquirers are asking. And so you can take that assessment and that that work of application to every discipline. Well, it has to get ultimately to the counseling room as well. Mm -hmm. It has to. And so for us then in those early years, we were asking the question, what does this mean for our counseling program? And we had some very faithful people doing faithful work here so that this is not about, you know, bad people doing bad things. It's about us trying to move our curriculum comprehensively in a way that we feel the best about what we are offering, what we are teaching, and the types of graduates we are producing to best serve the local church. And again, back to the fact we are not trying to be all things to all people. We're not. This institution is bending its energies towards local church service. And a commitment that we made early and decisions that we subsequently we made to reposition the counseling program to make sure that we are teaching students, men and women, especially, not exclusively, but primarily to exercise their counseling work within the context of the local church. And so, you know, there, as you know, Dale, even better than I know, and your listeners well know, the counseling world is a huge galaxy. A lot of people doing a lot of different things. And we could talk for days about that and what's helpful or unhelpful, what is generationally peculiar, what's longstanding. There's a zillion ways to go with that. But for us, we said, we're going to knowingly let some things go, knowingly leave some things behind, knowingly focus on, from a curricular standpoint, from a faculty standpoint, and from an institutionally uh, a sponsorship standpoint, those things we invest in, those things we get behind, in a strategic decision to teach and to promote biblical counseling and all that that means. And it's interesting we're having this conversation because uh, I found myself just last week visiting with a friend in ministry uh, who's a dear brother, a name your listeners would know, and uh, again, faithful expositor and all the rest. And uh, he was talking about Seminary X, and he said, uh, I bumped in with their students the other day, and they're and, and this, talking about a lady, and, and, and she's a biblical counseling student there. And uh, I, I said, now, w- wait a minute, she's not a biblical counseling student there. And he said, well, or, or, or like maybe she's a Christian counseling student. And I, I was kind of chiding him. I said, brother, you do not know how big these terms are. <laughs> You're throwing around here. And you are, you, are, you are misidentifying that institution. That is not a biblical counseling institution. That is not a biblical counseling student. And so terms matter. And that's a part of what we're trying to do here even is be really specific about not just what we do, but what we do, why we do what we do. And in a context where those terms come with a lot of weight, and in some cases, a lot of baggage. And being very intentional about not just in theory, but the actual concepts, the lectures, the books, the resources that we offer. And this was no menial decision. But when you shift curriculum in this direction, uh, this has been a hindrance for seminaries for years, for decades even. My dissertation, I write specifically about how curriculum changed in the opposite direction to move away from a genuinely pastoral care, biblical sufficiency position into a, a much more church growth movement as we think about business efficiency and modern clinical theory and that sort of thing. And so what you're doing here and your your goal in in moving biblical counseling for the church is quite radical, to be honest with you, as you compare to other schools and what they're doing and that sort of thing. So talk a little bit about, you did this just before, but maybe, maybe unpack it a little further. In your mind, how does biblical counseling fit in this particular vision for the church, even for our students? If you were talking to prospective students out there and to say, man, if you come here and study biblical counseling, how does it set their mind and affections toward the ministries of the local church? Yeah, let me do that and also say perhaps a word or two at the tactical level about that transition. Sure. That would be helpful. Yeah, that would be great. Again, we knew early on we, we wanted to make this shift. We needed to make this shift. We were looking at the right timing to do it. And, um, you know, we frankly just had some other bigger fires to put out and, and made more major decisions to make in those early years. 
but, but again, it was a philosophical, a biblical, a convictional decision, but it's also occasioned by other realities. I mean, at that point, we, we had a licensure track program, okay? And I think, in general, the sustainability long-term of licensure track programs in evangelical institutions is in doubt. I mean, even if you're okay with that philosophically, how sustainable will that be when you have state legislatures across the country, for instance, outbanning conversion therapy, outban- uh, outlawing and refusing licensure and recognition and credentialing for organizations or institutions that uh, that would teach, for instance, same-sex marriage uh, is a lifestyle to be counseled out of, not to be affirmed. I think the accreditation standpoint as well is, is an issue. I mean, the whole KCREP world is a complicated world. And um, and I just think all of that is, is built upon sand generationally. And I just think if you're not having this conversation, let's say in the year 2040, what credentialing agency will actually be out there to affirm an evangelical organization that is trying to maintain an evangelical identity, a biblical conviction, but play in that world of licensure and play in that world of KCREP accreditation? Does that make sense? For sure. So I'll even take a step further. I, I appreciate even your awareness to think on that level because it is putting those who are pursuing licensure and also hold Christian convictions, putting them in a very difficult place. And what we're going to see is the church then becomes the battleground because I want to counsel consistent with my Christian ethic, my Christian convictions, but the secular world is putting so much pressure and limiting my ability to do that as a quote-unquote licensed professional. And now those two worlds converge. And so one of two things is going to happen where either we're, we're putting churches under potentiality for litigation or we're going to have to recede the way that that we counsel from a Christian disposition. And so I think exactly what you're describing is is the scenario that we find ourselves in right now. And so I appreciate you unpacking that relative to to prospective students and how how they'll think here by the things that they learn. Now, I want to talk maybe a little bit more practically, and I, I really appreciate your focus. For the church, I can say, as somebody who's been here for now four years, is not a mantra, just simply a mantra. It is something that in everything that we do, we talk through that as a vision and legitimately thinking about how are the things that we're doing affecting what's happening on the ground at the local church level. I want you to talk about uh, biblical counseling, at least as you've seen it here, and Maybe it's IMPACT, the Center for Biblical Counseling here at Midwestern, which is a training center of ACBC that's housed here at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Talk a little bit about its impact on the campus, on even the students that are here, and that sort of thing. Well, it's been made a huge impact, and uh, the president of ACBC has been immensely helpful to us. A, as we've transitioned our program, and the transition program means you're you're teaching out, as we did successfully, and all that's been put to bed now several years of the old program, but you're trying to populate a new program. And we had a pretty rapid displacement, and it was a sweet displacement. As we were teaching out the old, we began to receive in, in large numbers, and now in tremendous numbers, students, men and women, the undergraduate, the graduate, and yes, the doctoral level, coming to study biblical counseling. And again, trying to connect a couple different questions here and things we, we touched on into an answer. You know, at the very heart of things, we preferring that beyond even the, um, you know, the accreditation issues we talked about and, and the, the governmental interference that, that is coming, may well come and all of that. It's just basic convictional decisions about why we exist as a seminary and that local church focus and an understanding that, look, the age throws a lot out there by way of what is wrong with me, mm-hmm. <laughs> what might be wrong with you. We live in the great, you know, the great therapeutic age, right? And this hyper focus on self-actualization, uh, self, self-realization, self how I feel, what I want to feel, 
what I should be experiencing. This obsession with our current moment-by-moment emotional and psychological state. Whereas in the vast history of humanity, people just got up and like, you know, found nuts and fruits. You know, they got up and went to work. They, they got up and sold their own provision. And they were not even positioned to even have these existential thoughts about, about why they exist and what they're doing and what they want to be feeling and why they're feeling blue today as opposed to yesterday and all of this. So th- this is this generational cultural moment. And there's a lot of confusion, a lot of complexity, and a lot of that is being sorted out and needs to be sorted out. And so we're going back to the fact and saying, you know, we see our calling as an institution and what we're trying to do with pastors and ministers is a work of soul care mm-hmm. and acknowledgement that, that most of what ails men and women today is spiritual in nature, often is theological in nature. And yeah, that can intersect with the emotions. It can intersect with a lot of things. Sometimes there, there are medical things going on, of course, that, that can impact how one feels. But there is an uncanny correlation I can speak to personally in over 20 years of local church ministry. I know this sounds simplistic, but, but it's true. The correlation is this. Those people who are most often actively, faithfully involved in the life of the local church in the main are the least likely to need after-hours counseling by one of their ministers. I mean, that is just this strange, maybe not strange, but remarkable correlation. And so coming full circle in your question and, and what we mean here is on the institution and what we're seeing and what we delight in is people who are coming, men and women, to study biblical counseling. It just has raised candidly the spiritual dynamic of the whole place because people devoted to Scripture, meditating on Scripture, teaching Scripture, here to learn Scripture, to apply Scripture, to counsel Scripture. And it has definitely had an elevating effect on the institution as a whole and one that we're delighted to see and uh, proud to reflect on the moments like this. Well, I'm encouraged all the way around. I, I've only been here for four of the, the 10 years, and, and I want to give you an opportunity to even talk a little bit about this. So you just released a book, Turnaround, The Remarkable Story of an Institution of Transformation, telling the story of 10 years here at Midwestern Seminary. And not many days ago, we celebrated your 10-year anniversary and the release of this particular book. And you went into describing your heart for what is to come at Midwestern. And uh, this is not directly related specifically to biblical counseling, but this idea of the vision for the church and how we maintain our focus moving forward as an institution. I want you to talk about that because I think I think our listeners will be encouraged at what our aim is as we try and prepare men and women to go serve the Lord in different parts of the world as they focus on serving the local church. So talk a little bit about even from this point on moving forward, your vision for the church. Thank you. You know, God has been really kind. The past 10 years, we went from an institution of about 1,100 students to this year we'll finish with about 5,000. And not just 5,000 students, but 5,000 students from 50 states, all 50, and in over 60 countries. And uh, the sweetness of that of those data points to me is it's a reminder of God's doing a global work and he's using this institution to do it. And so that's profoundly encouraging. But with all of that growth and all the financial blessings given us and the incredible faculty and the amenities and all, the, all of that comes together into one word, stewardship. What are we going to do with it? And God has um, put on my heart and our hearts here institutionally as we've updated our five-year strategic priorities is to make the main priority ongoingly the main priority, and that is mission faithfulness. That's what we're going to continue to talk about and be clear about why we exist and what we believe. What we believe, we cheerfully, happily adhere to four confessional statements, the Baptist Faith and Message 2000, the Danver Statement on Biblical Manhood and Womanhood, the National Statement on Biblical Sexuality and Gender, and uh, then, of course, the Chicago Statement on Biblical Inerrancy. And, and I don't hire faculty, Dale, who like will affirm those. I want to hire faculty who, who advocate for those. 
And then we're going to take those confessional commitments and continue to project forward those under the rubric and with the mission of for the church to project that forward. How many pastors, ministers, missionaries, yes, counselors are we producing by the year to go out into the churches, into the mission fields and fulfill these roles that are so urgently needed? And now I think all of you know uh, why I love being here at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary and serving under the presidency of Dr. Jason Allen and his vision for the church. I want, on behalf of everybody at ACBC, Dr. Allen, take an opportunity to say thank you for providing us space for offices here for ACBC in Kansas City. I'll mention to all of our listeners, as I do people when I go across the country, that if you're ever in Kansas City, stop by. We'd love to see you. Love to see you in the offices at ACBC. Come by Midwestern's campus. See us. Say hello. Come to the place that we're recording right now in the Spurgeon Library. You will not regret your time here. Dr. Allen, this has been great. I've really appreciated the time and over and over again hearing your heart here. These things are not just things that you talk about. They're things that we see happening even on the campus in everything that we do, and I appreciate it. Thank you for the opportunity, and may the Lord continue to bless you and all of our brothers and sisters at ACBC. Truth and Love, a podcast of ACBC. I think now you all will know why I appreciate Dr. Jason Allen so much and the work that's happening here at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, really from every degree, from bachelor's level all the way up to doctoral work. I just appreciate his emphasis on being for the church. And that's how we think and talk at ACBC really all the time. We are a secondary ministry, a parachurch, if you will. We are not primarily God's plan. It is the church, and we have to be focused on the church. When we think about ACBC, our vitality only goes as far as our ability to encourage, equip the church as God's plan for the work of the ministry and the proclamation of the gospel in terms of both evangelization and discipleship and caring for people and caring for them well. Now, you need to know that there are many schools that are associated with ACBC that are certified training centers, just like the Center for Biblical Counseling here at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, the Master's University, uh, Faith Bible Seminary, Baptist Bible College in Springfield, Missouri. There are many of those. So you can check out on our website, look at training centers, and you'll find those schools. And I would encourage you, this is a good time of year to be thinking about a school that you may want to attend. Maybe you've thought, man, I'd love to do a Master of Arts in Biblical Counseling, or I'd love to do a bachelor's degree where we study to study biblical counseling. Uh, there are lots of schools, probably one close to you in your area, where you could start that formal training. I would encourage you to think about that. One other note that I want to mention to you that's really exciting to us, the Journal of Biblical Soul Care. And the reason this is very appropriate for us to talk about today is this is an academic journal that ACBC is producing. In the past, we've produced ACBC essays. We are combining with another journal that was produced previously at the Master's University, and now ACBC has acquired the Journal of Biblical Soul Care. So we're combining the work from the essays and the Journal of Biblical Soul Care, and we're trying to produce two volumes every year. And that first volume is now available on our website. And listen, our goal here is to have a little bit more academic discussion. We're trying to write in several different arenas at a popular level, something that's very helpful, uh, like booklets for our counselors to equip and prepare them. We're producing books 
as well that can be very helpful to counselors and counselees as we think about ideas and and concepts and methodologies on counseling. This is a little bit more academic where we're thinking about the ideological. What what is behind the methodology? How do we think appropriately about scripture? How do we think appropriately about secular ideas and secular sources? How do we deal with those types of issues from a biblical counseling perspective? And I'm looking forward to what will be produced by the JBSC over time as we encourage conversation. We have people interact with the articles, and that is now available on our website. You can go to biblicalcounseling.com backslash JBSC. 